I move that the Appropriations 2022-2023 Bill 2022 be read a second time. Do I have a second? Second. The Honorable Deputy Premier, second by the Honorable Minister for Fiscal Planning, that the Appropriations Bill 2022-2023 Bill 2022 be read for a second time. Those in favor say aye. Those at contrary, no. The ayes have it. Honorable Deputy Premier. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, first and foremost, let me um, apologize to the Premier. Uh, he's actually on a call uh, and failing with the responsibility. He's right outside here. Yeah. Dealing with the responsibility. Yeah. President of the past uh, and dealing with the matter that he spoke about at the early. The first will be in and soon finish. Um, Speaker. Honorable Deputy Premier, please just give me, give me a moment here. Um, call on the clerk. Of the bill, Madam Clerk. Not a second reading. No. Straight to the debate. Honorable Deputy Premier. Thank you again, um, Mr. Speaker. Thank you, um, Minister of uh, PPID, for uh, helping out. Uh, so, Mr. Speaker, I rise with humility and gratefulness to make my maiden budget presentation, even though I've had a few uh, supplementary bills uh, that I brought to the House. Uh, but this may I, again, this is my maiden budget presentation in the People's House as Minister of Finance, Investment, and Trade. I would like to, uh, first and foremost, uh, Mr. Speaker, being a man of religion, I'd like to thank the Almighty God who has blessed, protected, and provided for us for we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Um, as I said before, Honorable Cabinet Minister, Honorable Leader of the Opposition, Honorable Members of the Opposition, sorry, um, member of the, uh, the appointed member of the Opposition, all our elected members, appointed members, the chairman of the house, uh, uh, distinguished guests in the gallery, um, the uh, particularly uh, honorable black men who has been coming for a while to give us our support, uh, all of the teams and from ministries uh, who are here to support the uh, cabinet, uh, my personal uh, team from the Ministry of Finance, to everyone watching on social media, on television, as you know that we are in high definition today, we felt that we didn't do the to do the people's work. We felt that we wanted people to hear and see us clearly. And to the diaspora who are listening by streaming media from all over the world. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I must extend my sincere gratitude to the people across these islands who voted for me and allowed me the opportunity of a lifetime to serve the country that I love so much. I am determined to give all to uh, improving the lives of the people. And um, Mr. Speaker, to, uh, a second, to uh, all of the mothers across the Turks and Caicos, I would like to, uh, I don't think we're going to be back here before Mother's Day, so I would like to wish them a very early happy Mother's Day. 
I would like to, uh, I know that he's outside, but I would like to uh, personally thank the uh, Honorable Premier for the confidence that he has placed in me by assigning me this important, this important Ministry of Finance trade and that guidance and, and support have made a challenging job much easier. Under his bold, strong, and skilled leadership, the TCI has a strong economy and a future that is much brighter and hopeful. To members of this House, especially my Cabinet colleagues, thank you for your support and for your unbridled work to build our islands. To the staff of the House of Assembly, who go beyond the call of duty with graciousness and professionalism, thank you. And to the hardworking and dedicated team at the Ministry of Finance, as I mentioned before, uh, particularly headed by Permanent Secretary uh, Anthony Harvey Baston and her team. I wanted to go through all of the names, but they, they told me that because we are, that this speech is going to be very long. I might as well cut that down, but we, we know who you are. Thank you for your support. And STCI is here today also, so thank you for, for your support. My personal team. Uh, my PA, who is just outside the door, um, as well as the administrative staff and all the staff of government and the civil servants, always go beyond the call of duty. Thank you. And thank you to the, uh, as I said, to all the agencies. I mentioned in that TCI, but all the agencies that are under the Ministry of, of Finance. Um, I spent about five months at the Ministry of Health and Human Services, so Honorable uh, uh, Minister of Health, I hope you allow me to thank your incredible staff that um, who worked really, really hard to bring the country through some of the most difficult days of the pandemic. I, I thank each one of them for their dedication and love of country. Uh, most importantly, Mr. Speaker, I must thank the wind beneath my wings, my family, my wife and granny, our children, Gabriel, Maya, Michael, Angelie, my wonderful parents, Honorable Norman and Emily Sanders, who happened to grace the walls of this honorable house. I know they wanted to be here today. Unfortunately, they couldn't, but if they could, they would. My siblings, Denise, Norman Jr., and Dex, my extended, my extended family. I have to mention my best friends, Andrew Hall, James Cox, and Kendrick Walters, are like brothers. And the two people who first came out in support of me, um, Anthony, Tony Ha Hamilton, and Bishop, Dr. C. Alexander Williams III, those two persons actually made it cool enough to support me and I think helped me to get across the finish line. When I first came out and people thought I wasn't going to win, those two uh, were the first ones of the block to put their support behind me. Um, Mr. Leader of the Opposition, I know that you're, you're taking notes and um, if there is any facts figures of good ideas that you want to take down and you need me to repeat, just give it a nod and I will uh, certainly repeat it for you. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Speaker, we came to office just over a year ago following an historic 14-1 victory. Our campaign was centered on creating a more secure and better future for our people. We want our people to live their best lives. We are laying the foundations to advance growth and development. We are creating a future that our people can look forward to and one that our young people can get excited about. We made several promises in the people's contract on how we would create that future. That contract 
which remains active today, aligns the policies and programs to recover and grow the economy, deal with the impact of COVID-19, and set the TCI on the path to long-term perspective. And as the Honorable Premier said in his State of the State anniversary broadcast in February, and I quote, it is our commitment to deliver on every pledge and we say to the people, we are your servants. Hold us accountable. Mr. Speaker, when we came to office, we faced many challenges and hurdles, but we are systematically getting through them one by one. Mr. Speaker, since the start of the pandemic, our country and our people have faced many hardships. When we came to office on the 20th of February, 2021, things were rough across the country. For many persons, our party winning the election and forming the government was their last hope. The economy was in very bad shape because our main economic driver, that is tourism, was in a crisis. Tourist arrivals were down significantly compared to the pre-pandemic years. No fault of you are the, the previous government. We're just stating the fact that it was down. Stopover arrivals were down to a trickle and cruise ships were not calling. As a result, many persons who worked in the tourist sector either lost their jobs or were forced to close their businesses, Mr. Speaker. The future was looking bleak. The country was filled with hopelessness and fear. Not much was being done to help our people recover from the pandemic. Our administration knew that we had to change course and that we had to do it fast. Our people, Mr. Speaker, needed a lifeline and we needed to show them that even though things were bad, we were going to make life better. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, on taking office, we immediately implemented policies and programs to kickstart the economy. We implemented policies and programs and we said to kickstart the economy, which gave us a path out of the severe health crisis caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. And Mr. Speaker, everyone would agree that we have made significant strides. And I'm going to speak to some of them uh, right now, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, 85% of the country adult population has, has, has had at least two doses of the vaccine against COVID-19 virus. COVID infections are down significantly. Approximately 27 million in stimulus grants and other assistance have been given out to help our people. <laughs> Unprecedented performance in the real estate sector and tourism sectors have helped to build economic resilience, bolster the confidence of investors, and have given us the fiscal space to invest in the development of our people. Public servants have had their salaries increased, and there's now a retirement plan for public servants. We have significantly increased investments in our country and our people. We've increased investments in delivering first-class healthcare service. We increased investments in our premium brand uh, tourism. We invested in training and systems to foster good governance. We increased investments in disaster preparedness and climate change resilience, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, our government is building a strong economy that works for all our people, an economy that is centered around people, opportunity, and prosperity. Amen. 
Mr. Speaker, there's no doubt that our government and our country have a banner economic year. But notwithstanding the positive achievements of unprecedented economic gains, we are mindful of how the global economic climate is affecting us. The Russia-Ukraine war is the most significant conflict in Europe since World War II. It is having significant negative effects on the world, including here in the TCI, and the fallout is expected to get worse before it gets better. Last month, the International Monetary Fund cut its global projections for 2022 and 2023 to 3.6%. This represents drops of 0.8% for 2022 and 0.2% for 2023 from the forecast that they published in just January. The World Bank has also cut its global expectation for 2022 from 4.1% to 3.2%. The effects of the Russian-Ukraine conflict are worsened by the global supply chain issues, which have resulted in increased energy and food prices. The United States, our largest trading partner, has reported that its inflation rate now stands at 8.5%. Mr. Speaker. Higher prices for basic items have pushed the average inflation for the fiscal year significantly beyond the 6% that was originally forecasted. If the Russian-Ukraine conflict and the global supply chain problems continue for much longer, there's a high probability that global investors may become timid and pull back their investments. If this happens, Mr. Speaker, it will have an adverse effect on foreign direct investment flows. Thankfully, Mr. Speaker, and through the goodness of God, so far, the investments interest in our beautiful by nature Turks and Caicos Islands remains robust. Our government is closely monitoring developments and reactions of global markets, and we will make adjustments to our policies if it is deemed necessary. And as we have constantly done and consistently done, we will ensure that the poor and vulnerable are protected from the worst effects of the crisis. Mr. Speaker, the country's unemployment rate is now 8%, and through our government's mitigation measures, we are projecting that it will fall to 7% in this calendar year. From day one, the policies of this administration have been designed to build economic resilience, protect and develop our people while supporting inclusive growth, sustainability, and security, an economy that works for all people, opportunity, and prosperity, Speaker. As a, tour as a tourism-dependent country, our economic outlook is influenced heavily by our vulnerability to external shocks. Despite the challenges around the world, our policies and priorities are deliberately designed to position our country to continue its economic rebound through 2022 and 2023. We are projecting that economic growth will be fueled by continued strong recoveries in the tourism, construction, and real estate sectors. Real estate sectors. Local authorities and international rating agencies believe, Mr. Speaker, that as long as the strong performance in the tourism, construction, and real estate sectors remain, real GDP will continue to grow. They are forecasting a greater than 7% growth in 2022 and an average growth of around 5% for the following three years. That's 2023, 2024, and 2025. 
This positive forecast comes on the heels of estimates that the TCI economy grew by more than 10% in 2021. Notwithstanding the very strong growth last year, the GDP remains below pre-pandemic levels. So, Mr. Speaker, the economy, what it's showing is that the economy is simply catching up after a significant decline of approximately 27% that it experienced in 2020. Mr. Speaker, our government will continue to use all the tools at our disposal to expand and diversify the economy. And most importantly, create opportunities and prosperity for all of our people. Our government will use the capital development program to spur increased activity in the private sector and to help further accelerate growth in our economy. Mr. Speaker, the import receipts tell a story of feverish activity, especially in the construction, in the construction sector. As an example, total merchandise imports. That is, the imports into the country for calendar year 2021 were valued at $485.9 million. Mr. Speaker, which was a year-over-year increase of approximately 136 million, 39%, over 2020. And I am happy to report that 2022 is looking equally as strong. During the first three months, Mr. Speaker, of 2022, that's January, February, and March, merchandise imports increased by 59.7 million at 63.6% over the same period in 2021. In the first quarter of 2021, merchandise imports were valued at 93.9 million. This year, first quarter imports were at 153.6 million, a 64% improvement, Mr. Speaker, and that is what I call performance. Speaker, I would like to take this time and pause to inform this Honorable House and our listeners that despite the negative effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on our economy, we maintain our triple B plus rating in 2021, and we're expecting to do so again this year, if not better than that. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, but notwithstanding the positive growth prospects, we are mindful that there could be unforeseen challenges ahead for our economy. There are always lingering threats of new variants of the COVID-19 virus spreading, persistent market disruptions, supply chain, challenges and rising inflation. Speaker, as I said, the Russian-Ukraine war, even though geographically far away, is expected to continue to negatively affect our local economy through increased gas, oil, and food prices, as well as through continued disruptions in the global supply chain. Speaker, when I look at the global economic conditions and I look at our performance as a country, we have so much to be proud of and thankful to God for. And I will now speak to that performance in more detail. The speaker, the performance of the TCI economy within the last financial year is only can be described as consistently robust. Speaker, I want to uh, speak to something while campaigning as, as a minister, while campaigning and as minister of finance. I spoke on numerous occasions about the need to increase the country's annual revenues 
I had set goals of 400 million by the end of our first term. That's February 2025. If we pulled the last, last administration on this, uh, on this opposition, we would be all the way into May 2025. But I'm talking about February 2025. And 500 million by the end of our second, our second term, which would be February 2029. Uh, Mr. Speaker, post the interim government period, as I do not have the figures for prior to that period, the government's best year in terms of revenue, fiscal year 2019-20, when it took in $313.8 million. And the average revenues for the last 10 financial years, that is from fiscal year 2011 to 2012, to fiscal year 2011-2012, all the way to fiscal year 2020 to 2021, was $245.3 million. So Mr. Speaker, Setting an annual revenue target of 400 million by early 2025 against the figures I just quoted would seem truly optimistic. That's why I'm delighted to report to this honorable house and to the listening public that total revenues, total revenues collected for financial year 2021-2022, which ended March 31st this year, was $391.1 million. I'm certain the opposition will find many reasons for why that happened. It was clearly uh, the grace of God and God, and we must give thanks uh, for that. I would like to think that we probably spoke it into existence, but certainly by speaking about it, we knew that the country could deliver on that, and that's we want to keep record, our recurring revenue at that level, because as I said many times, the higher the revenues are, the more we can do for our people and our hardworking civil servants. So, Mr. Speaker, for the entire financial year of 2021-2022, again, that's from 1st of April 2021 to the 31st of March 2022, which was our government's first year in office, every month, every month, we achieved a surplus. Mr. Speaker, I believe this level of annual revenue is to be historic, but I stand to be corrected. But Mr. Speaker, let me put in perspective, 391.1 million, 391.1 million is 145 million, 59% higher than the average revenues collected over the past 10 financial years. It is 73.3 million, 25% higher than the 315 million achieved in the previous best year and uh, over the past 10 years for revenue collections. It is 27.5 million, 7.6% higher than our original forecast of 363.6 million, and 188.8 million, 93.3% higher than the collections of fiscal year 2020-2021, which was, uh, which was 202.3 million. This is performance, Mr. Speaker. But we should not be surprised as the plans of the diligent lead to profit, which was quoted, being quoted from Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. Mr. Speaker, what seemed optimistic last year with the blessings of God now seems pessimistic. Uh, Mr. Speaker, our healthy operating surplus coupled with prudent spending practices have allowed our government to maintain a resilient cash flow position and strong cash reserves. Under our stewardship, 
The government ended the last financial year, again, 31st of March, 2022, with a total operating surplus before capital expenditure and investments of $89.9 million. So what did we do, Mr. Speaker? From the surplus, we put $67.6 million into the country's cash reserves, which increased it from $121.7 million, the balance at the start of the last financial year, that was 1st of April, 2021, to $189.4 million, which is the closing balance at the end of the financial year, in 31st of March, 2022. That is a 56% increase, Mr. Speaker, and that is performance. Mr. Speaker, due to the country's strong financial performance on our government stewardship, we had not had to draw down on any of the pre-approved debt facilities at our disposal. And as a result, Mr. Speaker, I am proud to report that we retired the $80 million revolving credit facility obtained in 2020. Now, let me put a bit of perspective around that. Uh, for the record, the credit facility was obtained by the previous administration during the height of this COVID-19 pandemic with the belief that it would be needed to support recurrent expenditure, that is the government operating expenditure or OPEX for those in the private sector. There was a cost, Mr. Speaker, to having this facility in place, even if it was not being used. And so as it was in our economic interest to retire it, we did so. And Mr. Speaker, earlier, I stated that our rebound from the COVID-19 pandemic was due to the blessings of the Almighty, and I must add his mercy and his grace. But notwithstanding this, I must point out that our team, under the capable and steady leadership of our Premier, managed the opening up of the economy in a deliberate and skilled way. Nothing was left to chance or happenstance. And Mr. Speaker, what makes me so proud of our recovery as a country is that it was a team effort. Everyone participated, from public sector workers and, and to our private sector partners. They adjusted their lives, work environment, and business operations to get the engines of our economy turning again. And by all signs, Mr. Speaker, we expect this positive trend to continue throughout financial year 2022-2023, the one that we're currently in. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, by the way it is looking, barring any negative shocks to the economy, our government is expecting to maintain, we're expecting to maintain operating surpluses and healthy cash reserves for the foreseeable future. And that is performance, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Mr. Speaker, as I'm sure you're aware, in the private sector, where I spent many years as the CEO, the main objective of budget is to maximize profits, which is usually achieved by maximizing revenues and minimizing costs. In the public sector, and as a government of the people, our objective is to maximize revenues so we can do more for our people and our beautiful by nature, trucks and Caicos Islands. The more we earn as a country, the more our government will spend to help our people live their best lives. As a fiscally responsible government, we will always seek the right balance between spending today and saving for tomorrow. 
Mr. Speaker, based on the unaudited expenditure of the last financial year, 2021-2022, our government spent before capital contribution $301.2 million. Although this was 20.1 million, 6.3% below the budget of 321.3 million, it was 37 million, 14% higher than what was spent in fiscal year 2020-2021, and 94.1 million, 45% higher than the average spend of 207 million that the government spent over the last 10 years. Mr. Speaker, this expenditure included 93 million in personnel costs, including wages. 13.9 million in pensions and security. 32.5 million in transfers to NHIB. 23.8 million in hospital provisional charges. 19.7 million in land acquisitions. 21.5 million in subventions. And 6.6 million in direct stimulus to help our people deal with the fallout from the pandemic. Mr. Speaker, one of the bright lights of our economy, and that one that should make our country proud, is the high level of confidence that investors have in our country and our government. And this has been borne out over the last 12 months. Mr. Speaker, foreign-owned business interests saw developments agreements to the tune of approximately $3.7 billion. As outlined in the People's Contract, our government will only move forward with investments that are ideally suited for the strategic development of our country. Proposals that are not in keeping with this mandate will be passed over. During financial year 2021-2022, our government executed development agreements, mainly through Invest TCI valued at $105.4 million, resulting in the creation of 293 permanent jobs. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, existing investors remain a core strength of this vibrant TCI economy, and 124 million of the projects facilitated when reinvestment projects or expansions to current properties. Invest TCI, which has been facilitating the investors, keeping the economy growing, has revised the governance framework for investments to create a more enabling environment for businesses to thrive. This includes a new due diligence policy, amendments to the MSME and investment policies, and a five-year strategic plan. Mr. Speaker, I am proud to say that 700,000 was approved for cash grants and technical assistance to small businesses to encourage and support innovation. In our first year, our first 12 months from between 1st of April 2021 to March 2022, we gave out 33 grants valued at $10,000 and $30,000 uh, to small businesses. Uh, and Mr. Speaker, that has been the best year so far, but we expect to best that best this year. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, this year we plan to spend $388.9 million 
This is an increase of more than 78 million, 20.2 percent. Again, this is an increase of more than 78 million, which is 20.2 percent over last year. 326.9 million will represent recurrent expenditures such as salaries and wages, 12 million for non-recurrent expenditure or one-off expenses, and 50 million for capital development such as projects, uh, land acquisitions, and furniture and, um, and these one-off capital items. Mr. Speaker, the growth in the economy has enabled significant investment in human capital, and human capital development, infrastructure, tourism, public order, and safety. Through our targeted spending, we are supporting inclusive growth, sustainability, and security. In keeping with international best practices, we have divided government expenditure into the following 10 critical areas. We'll go through them so we can give you a bit more detail about how the money is being spent. Number one, economic affairs. Mr. Speaker, $103.7 million has been allocated to economic affairs. This will fund important areas such as infrastructure development, including land acquisition, tourism product enhancement, agriculture, catastrophic risk insurance, environment, remains the provision of quality care, including public health and hospital services, mental health, research, health emergencies, dental, laboratory services, the promotion of healthy lifestyles, and policy planning. Number three, Mr. Speaker, public order and safety. The safety and security of our people are priorities of our government. As we know, crime threatens the security and safety of our people, including our children, and our resolve to combat it is unwavering. Mr. Speaker, the third largest allocation of just over 67.3 million is for public order and safety. It will cover all agencies, including the police and the courts, to deal with crime and rehabilitation. Of this amount, 32.5 million will go towards police services. 19.2 million is for the law courts, AG's chambers, director of public prosecution, judicial administration, and the labor tribunal. 8.2 million for public order, including disaster management, customs and border protection, immigration, and repatriation. 5.4 million for prisons, correctional and rehabilitation services, and 1.3 million dollars for fire and rescue. Number four, general public services. To support the public service operations, including the offices of the governor, the deputy governor, the premier, this honorable house, uh, financial and fiscal affairs, we are uh, allocating $62.62 billion. Number five, education. I may sound like I have to say that again. Number five, education. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, I'm pr personally proud of what they're doing uh, to educate our people. Uh, like prior PNP administrations, we are increasing 
increasing the education and training capacity of the TCI. We are focused on creating modern schools that are accessible and equipped with the latest technical tools and the right student-teacher ratios. We are creating curricula that provides the right mix of literacy, numeracy, and technology to best position our students to thrive in the global market, not just domestically. We are continuing our investments, Mr. Speaker, in early childhood, primary, secondary, tertiary, and vocational education with an investment of $37.5 million. Uh, for those listeners out there, our priorities include improving early childhood, primary, secondary, and tertiary education, providing scholarships to young people at the community college level, maintaining recreational and sporting facilities, supporting TVET pursuits, and, I should say, and supporting TVET pursuits. Number six, Mr. Speaker, social protection. This government has made it our cause to take care of the poor and most vulnerable in this country. We know that the inflationary pressure caused by the Russian-Ukraine war, Ukraine war and the supply chain crisis are limiting the purchasing power and diminishing the value of savings our people. As the members of this Honorable House uh, know, over the last 14 months, our government spent over 20 million, over 20 million in stimulus to cushion the impact from the COVID-19 pandemic and the increase in inflation. Additionally, I want the people listening, because there are some people who said they didn't get uh, a stimulus last time in the matter. And there's some issues around them having the correct paperwork. So additionally, we're allocating 600000 in this budget to handle stimulus payments for applications under review. And let me say, so I want to make it very clear for those persons who thought that they didn't get a stimulus in the last batch, your stimulus check is coming. We will continue to help those in need to make ends meet and live comfortable lives. We have revamped our home health and social assistance program and have carved out $5.8 million to help the vulnerable. Whether it is a single mother who needs help to feed her children or elderly persons who are unable to care for themselves, our government our government is here to give them a housing help. Mr. Speaker, we will continue to examine the psychoeconomic conditions and adjust support where necessary. And Mr. Speaker, for most of those persons who are sitting in the gallery, those who are listening, I know we're in the nation's capital where people still listen to parliament on their radios. Uh, I wanted to be able to, to, to speak to them and let them know that we are taking care of our hard-working civil servants. Yes. And, and you deserve it. $14.6 million, Mr. Speaker, will be spent on pensions and gratuities for public servants to have the standard of living and quality of life they hope for and deserve upon retirement. They must have something to look forward to, and now they do under this government. The people, Mr. Speaker, 
Over 500,000 will be spent to help victims of domestic violence and promote gender equality. The speaker, as you are aware, domestic violence affects families and we must help the victims and punish perpetrators. We also have to help our people find more peaceful ways to handle conflicts. And our premier spoke about that at last in the house of what we're doing to achieve that. Uh, the formulation of a national domestic violence protocol aims to improve the quality and consistency of services countrywide and standardize the response to victims and survivors. A domestic violence safe house is being established to give victims and survivors a place where they can stay for a while and feel protected. Mr. Speaker, number seven, environmental protection. As a small island developing state, it is in our interest and long-term survival to protect our environment and marine life. 6.2 million has been allocated to public health, solid waste, and sewage management. And 1.5 million has been allocated towards fisheries and marine, and marine resource management. Number eight, housing and community amenities. Mr. Speaker, we will spend 3.8 million on housing and community, and community amenities. The funding will cover water services, including water treatment and distribution to Grantark and Salt Key. And we'll also fund improvements to housing and community renewal, as well as district administration. Uh, number nine, defense. Mr. Speaker, as an island state, our border is open and accessible. We face increased challenges from illegal immigration, the illegal drug trade, poaching, firearm smuggling, and other illicit activities. Our goal is to facilitate the legitimate flow of people and goods and to protect our people from harm. We will be spending over 2.7 million directly on the National Security Secretariat and the contingent forces. In addition, we will spend 1.5 million on patrol vessels and motor vehicles for our defense forces. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, this is another one that I'm very proud of. Because when we, when I was working with the Premier on when I was working with our Premier before we came to government on our manifesto, and we were talking about um, the things that we wanted to put into it, I, I said to him that it was surprising that the religious community didn't have a direct arm into to government, a place where they could pick up the telephone and call and get them, uh, their concerns addressed. And so we created a Department of Religious Affairs. And so... Number 10, we're allocating money towards recreation, culture, and religion. And Mr. Speaker, we are supporting recreational activities, cultural development, and community activities with the following allocations. 3.1 million to recreation and sports, which will cover scholarships, sponsorships, and grants for participation in regional and global events. <laughs> 700,000 to youth development. 
Now, only an accountant could have done this. Only an accountant could have done this. 601,000, not only additional 1,000, but 601,000 to the development and promotion of culture. <laughs> Next time you'll round it up to 600 and dead. <laughs> 250,000 to religion, which will help to fund partnership with the churches for social programs that will foster community upliftment and crime reduction. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, we are building economic resilience through human capital development to support inclusive growth, sustainability, and security. Mr. Speaker, our government is about people, opportunity, and prosperity. And I, I, was, I wish the cameras could show it right now, the opposition's appointed man we brought him to tears. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, the public sector investment program, I want to talk a bit about that. The revised estimates for the public sector investment program in the last financial year was just over $29 million. This included $4 million from the Infrastructure Improvement Account. In this financial year, we're investing more, Mr. Speaker. $50.2 million has been earmarked to be spent in the following ways. $16.8 million on ongoing projects, $32.4 million on new projects, and the new projects are aligned with the priority areas of this government, including $8 million for law enforcement, border control, and security. Thank you, Mr. Minister of Immigration. for continued investments in digitization e-governance, 6.4 million in education. You're welcome, Minister of Education. 6 million for water undertaking prison and fire services. You are welcome, Minister of Home Affairs. And Minister of PPID. 21 million in investments in infrastructure development through all guys. 1.7 million in tourism. And another 1.2 million in health. Mr. Speaker and honorable members, you may recall that the public finance management regulations were amended recently. Once approved by the House, the allocation for the development fund will be committed for two successive financial years. And we believe that this will allow improvements in our long-term planning and strategic outlook and more time for the review and the evaluation of projects. It will allow for budgeting more efficiently and establishing priority areas and giving departments such as project management and the program division of the MPPID more time to properly plan and scope new projects. Financing the budget, Mr. Speaker, and speak to the estimates of, the re estimates of revenue we talked about hitting that 400 million mark. Again, only accountants could do this. By nature, they are fiscally conservative. They won't let me have that 400 million, Mr. Speaker. So we're estimating revenues for this financial year 2022-2023 at $395.7 million. I know a little bit about math, Mr. Speaker. I think we're going to round it up to 400 million. But for, for the books and for the records, we expect revenues to come in at $395.7 million. 
speaker, we are seeking to best our previous best, which was our portion. Uh, out of this, Mr. Speaker, 39.2, million represents recurrent revenues, which is very good. That's absolutely stunning and absolutely amazing that we, we are projecting $392.4 million recurring revenues, as I said before. Because because of the internal external shocks, our revenues can go up and down. So you may have $390 million one year, but you may have something less, far less the previous year. And for the team, with all the economic planning and everything, to believe that our economy is doing very well, that we're going to come right back again at close to 400 million. It's absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. And I'd like to thank God for his blessing that he's showing on us, his continued blessing. Yeah. Um, also included in that is $3.37 million for capital receipts, including grants from external donors and earnings from the sale of land. The speaker... Ours is a country built on tourism. Although we have been cautious in our outlook and projections, we expect the very high levels of tourist arrivals to continue. And I would like to take this time to thank our tourism partners for their imagination, innovation, and commitment to this destination. The quality of their properties, Mr. Speaker, and their high level of service has consistently placed the TCI among the top destinations in the world year after year after year. They have helped make our, our premium tourism brand strong and resilient, and we will continue to work closely with them to improve and, and expand the sector. Our goal is to increase both long-stay visitors and cruise passengers, and we are also very happy with the pace of development within the construction sector, Mr. Speaker. Based on the trends of the first quarter of this calendar year, that's January, February, and March, we expect healthy increases in the hotel and restaurant tax, imports, and in customs processing fees. Duties and customs processing fees are the largest revenue generated. The speaker, which combined, accounts for 30% of overall revenues. And we are projecting the following, Mr. Speaker, accommodation tax of $90,518,829. Mr. Minister of Customs, please keep doing what you're doing because we're expecting revenues to be $89,309,000. But in addition to that, other customs duties of $30,252,116. Thank you, Mr. Minister. Work permits $32,178,209 and stem duty on land transactions of $80 million, Mr. Speaker, and fuel tax of $7,821,524. Mr. Speaker, as I mentioned before, and it bears repeating, the Russian-Ukraine war and the supply and chain issues are driving an increase in inflation. To cushion the impact on our people, we reduce the fuel tax and custom processing fee by combined $15 million which, take, which is taking place in this financial year. We expect that this will result in more manageable prices for all goods and fuel, for all goods and services, for all goods and fuel for our citizens and residents. And I must commend the Inland Revenue Department for their vigilance and tireless commitment to compliance that allows us to keep and collect the government revenues. While revenues for fiscal year 21-22 are historic, 
and we are projecting an equally strong fiscal 22-23, we are cognizant that our dependence on tourism makes us vulnerable to volatility in the world economy and global financial markets, Mr. Speaker. And for our long-term financial and economic health, we must create a more robust and sustainable revenue system. This requires restructuring the current system and creating a more modern revenue management system that is neutral, efficient, effective, simple, and fair. Mr. Speaker, the transitioning of the Inland Revenue Department from a direct government department to a revenue authority is progressing smoothly. Our goal is to increase revenue collections, improve efficiency, update current systems, and ensure that the tax laws are properly administered. Our revenue management system will seek to create the right balance between revenue initiatives and cost containment. Mr. Speaker, we are getting help from the, Car uh, the Caribbean Regional Technical Assistance, SADA uh, CARTAC, in this area, and their experts are working with the Inland Revenue Department in its transition to a world-class revenue authority. We are hoping to complete this process in the next 12 to 18 months. CARTEC is also assisting with a comprehensive review and cleanup of TikTok, our revenue reporting software. Now, our goal is to improve the overall customer experience through a secure, efficient, and user-friendly automated system. Mr. Speaker, our government is always looking at ways to simplify the tax system, improve the ease of doing business, and reduce the administrative burden on people. We have identified major initiatives that are critical to our country's growth and development and which will support our focus on people, opportunity, and prosperity. I'll speak to some of the major priority initiatives. Uh, number one, 2.3 million will be spent in each of the next three years on digitization and e-governance. We believe that to optimize our economy, improve and increase services to our people, digitization of all government systems is critical. Having online databases and connectivity among departments will help to streamline operations and create efficiency. And while this process has not been as quick as we had hoped, Mr. Speaker, believe me, it's not been as quick as we had hoped, we are starting to make some headway. One of our goals is to roll out a mandatory national ID card, which will make it easier for everyone to conduct business with the government. Two, investments in tourism. Eight million has been allocated towards enhancing the tourism product, including transitioning the tourism board into a destination management organization. The ministry has already started work on this project, Mr. Speaker, and has been tended and inception reports and stakeholder engagement have started. The DMO will include a regulatory authority which will set standards and guidelines to ensure quality service delivered from accommodations, recreational facilities, and attractions. Investments in law enforcement, border control, and security. An additional 1.4 million, Mr. Speaker, has been allocated to enhance border protection and security. The TCI regiment will see an increase in uh, will see an increase in its reserve forces by 20 officers. The two full-time permanent posts. A defense board will be established to provide oversight. 12 marine officers will be added to the Royal Trucks and Caicos Islands Police Force plus 10 new immigration officers. Mr. Speaker, in addition, more money will be allocated to the Royal Trucks and Caicos Islands Police Force to improve intelligence gathering 
and investigations as we step up, as we step up crime-fighting measures. $5.8 million will be spent on new projects, including the police station in Grand Turk, a mobile, a mobile station, and new police boats. Number four, civil and public service, Speaker. $9 million has been allocated to facilitate a contributory pension scheme and increase the basic salary for our civil service. Our government wants the best for our civil servants to go beyond the call of duty to serve our people. Our government is increasing what we spend on public service by 10%. This includes a direct salary increase of 4% and a 6% allocation towards the new, newly formed pension scheme. The TCI Public Sector Pension Fund Ordinance was passed in this House in March 2022. $20 million in seed money is needed to get the pension going, Mr. Speaker. $8.4 million was paid into the fund during the last financial year, and our government will contribute $2 million annually over the next six years to the fund. The $20 million will cover pension payments for past services, and for current employees, the government will assume responsibility for the employer and employee contribution. As the TCI public sector pensions implemented, we will, the Speaker, establish the pension board, establish an, an open request for proposal for a pension fund administrator, select through an RFP for an investment manager, and then expand administration and governance to include the private sector and for those companies who want to have a pension scheme also and who want to join the government's pension scheme will be able to uh, do so also for their staff. The estimates continue to support the payment of biannual performance-based increments for civil servants. And civil servants will be moved up the salary scale when they have a successful performance evaluation. Number five, our government's flagship priority, human capital development. To create the kind of economy and society, Mr. Speaker, we aspire to, we need a more highly educated and skilled population and workforce. Mr. Speaker, over 10.2 million is allocated. It's an additional 1.2 million in this financial year to increase the number of international and local scholarships. This includes an increase in the allocation for scholarships at the treasury and community college level. And Mr. Speaker, as we've been told, and as they, uh, everyone has been gotten excited about it, but I have to reiterate it. And I hope I'm not taking the fund away from the Minister of Education, but since we've already said it in this Honorable House, effective September 22, 2022, access to the community college for belongings and British Overseas Territory citizens will be free. Number six, Mr. Speaker, increase access to secondary education. As I said it before, Mr. Speaker, this government will upgrade the Clement Howell and Louise Garland Thomas High School to senior high schools, both of them offering first to fifth form education, and $2.6 million has been provided for these upgrades. Number seven, social welfare. Social welfare. Mr. Speaker, we have provided an additional 1.65 million to enhance social development uh, welfare. A total of 5.8 million. 
the additional sums will facilitate an increase, an increase in the monthly payments to our uh, vulnerable population. So for those who are receiving social assistance, we'll see an increase in their monthly checks if we're still paying them by check. Mr. Speaker, statistical surveys and national census. Uh, Mr. Speaker, reliable data is important for planning and the proper function of any government. As such, we're investing 800000 to make improvements to the national statistical system. As outlined in our government manifesto, the Central Statistics Organization will be transformed into the National Statistics Institute. The changes will include improvements to the regulatory framework for the coordination and governance of the National Statistics Institute. Mr. Speaker, the last census in the Turks and Caicos was conducted in 2012, and Cabinet has approved by 2022 or 2022 census, and preliminary work has already started on it. Since 2012, new houses have been built, the population has grown, as everyone knows, and other significant changes have taken place, and so this census is needed. The 2022 census will be designed to assess the changes, provide data to evaluate existing social and economic programs, and to help inform the government on solutions necessary to build a successful and cohesive community. And give, give an example. The, uh, coming out of the census, we'll be able to tell, Mr. Speaker, the location and the number of type of schools required that we will need in the future, the demand for housing, uh, water supply, and all the needed services. So we'll get a better understanding what the country needs so we can know how to more prudently spend the country's money and get a return, better return on our investment into public infrastructure. Uh, the department will be launching a Facebook page shortly to inform the public about the census and other important social and economic surveys. Number nine, environmental health and emergency services, emergency medical services. Our government has allocated resources to establish a new unit with 11, 11 port health offices to enact the international health regulations of 2005. These regulations established standards to, pre to prevent the importation and spread of diseases through airports and seaports. Funds have also, Mr. Speaker, funds have also been allocated to hire a dump attendant for Q North Lincoln. And an additional deputy chief environmental officer and a vector control coordinator. With these additional staff, Mr. Speaker, the Public Health Department can better carry out its mandate to create a healthy and safe environment for residents and visitors alike. In addition, I talked about this before, in addition, a second ambulance base with appropriate staffing is funded for Providenciality. Number 10, investment in government communications and protocol. Mr. Speaker, effective, integrated and coordinated communications is integral to our goal of building a better, more prosperous and healthy future for our citizens. Currently, there's no framework to guide effective government communications and citizen engagement. Our government, our government, Mr. Speaker, will create an improved more effective government communications mechanism to 
foster a climate of meaningful participation and engagement with our citizens. Mr. Speaker, the people have a right to access timely, consistent, and accurate official information, particularly information relating to government programs, projects, and services. Funding has been made available to create a communications directorate to manage government communications and citizens' engagement. Mr. Speaker, 655000 will be spent to hire five persons in key roles to augment existing positions and to purchase communications, equipment, and tools. Mr. Speaker, we will expand and improve the offerings of the protocol division with the new recruits in this financial year also. As an, as an efficient protocol unit, it's important to foster goodwill and seamless coordination of events for dignitaries visiting the Turks and Caicos Islands. This is also important as relays with members of the diplomatic communities, both regionally and internationally. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I'm going to touch on something that I'm certain everyone knows is a big concern of ours. It's come up in the National Security Council that I sit on, and it's number 11 where we, uh, we're looking at in terms of priorities is the illegal settlement. Two million has been allocated to address unlawful settlements and a further two million to offset legal costs for arbitration. Mr. Speaker, the large number of illegal structures are morphing into shanty towns. And if these illegal settlements continue, they will tarnish our tourism brand and drive away our major revenue source. Subvention support. Mr. Speaker, Subventions totaling $34.6 million have been approved for the National Health Insurance Plan. The subventions will cover costs for the treatment abroad program, utility charges for the two major hospitals, and health care costs for the juvenile and indigenous population. <laughs> and Mr. Speaker, this is in addition to a projected income of $39 million from the contributions. The allocation, will, uh, the allocation is to pay for the infrastructure of the two major hospitals of $22.8 million. Other subventions for statutory and constitutional bodies uh, is $27.5 million, 7% of recurrent expenditure. Mr. Speaker, I'm happy to say that these are significant increases for this financial year over the last year. So let me speak to them, some of the increases. I'm assuming the opposition is ready with their pen. Uh, Gaming, 2.3 million, up from 700,000. Integrity Commission, increased from 500,000 to 2.8 million. And invest TCI, invest TCI, invest TCI that provides the grant money for our small businesses. Invest TCI subvention moves from 500000 to $3.3 million. Now, Invest TCI falls under my ministry, but, but you would think that I would go all out to the best of my ministry. But the community college gets more than quadruple, going from $1.2 million to $6 million. Minister of National Trust. Minister of National Trust. You had a hundred thousand.
reduced it to $588,000 by net person. The Honorable Leader of the, uh, uh, Leader of the Opposition was saying when we had the Queen's Baton about how we should take uh, sports seriously and our elite athletes. And I'm happy to say to you, as the Leader of the Opposition, the Sports Commission gets a 10% increase going from $2.8 million to $3.1 million. <laughs> And this 
is not putting the blame on any particular government. We've had problems with beach access. It looks like we've been running out of beach access. Well, 600,000 have been allocated towards making sure that we keep and enhance our beach access for all people to enjoy. And we're going to make another 650,000 available from the maintenance of parks. Mr. Speaker, we have so many new and ongoing initiatives in this financial year. I don't think I'm going to be able to get through all of them. You know, I may have to be here for another another day. Okay. I may have to borrow some time from the date of the opposition. <laughs> and so, you know, the Honorable Premier and the Ministers will give more details on various projects and initiatives within their prospective portfolios. Uh, but Mr. Speaker, we have ongoing projects valued at approximately $139.5 million uh, that will carry over projects. And I, I'm, I'm going to speak. To, I'm going to speak to some of them. And I, I don't know if you uh, how quickly uh, the leader of the opposition could type. But if you want me to speak to this slowly, I'm more inclined to do so. So here we go. And he's smiling his hands now on the keyboard. <laughs> so let's go. Let's go with this. Construction of the new primary school in Providenciales. Basketball courts on all islands. Now, that may be not of interest to you, but of interest of persons who can play basketball, they certainly would like to have basketball courts in every island. Lights on the parade, on the parade ground. The complete resurfacing of the national stadium with a new synthetic rubber track and new natural grass infield. The Grand Truck Sports Complex and Shelter. I think that's going to be right outside right next door. Right next door. You can hear the, sometimes you can actually hear the, the bulldozers and stuff moving around. School infrastructure project phases one and two, reconstruction of the prison block and other prison upgrading works, upgrading the water storage and distribution facilities, mostly here in Grahamme and Grantor, shelter for victims of domestic violence, reinstatement of government buildings on all islands, road development phase, phase five in Blue Hills and Five Keys, which includes paving and construction of new drainage system, backup generators for all islands, and North Cape is two million being spent on upgrading and resurfacing roads, construction of the Blue Hills Craft Market, reconstruction of canals and Salty and South Caicos, installation of city water lines in Leland, Blue Hills, and Long Bay, ambulance for all islands, refurbishing of the DCR building in Providence Island. Am I going too fast to you, Mr. Leader of the Opposition? Hey. The National J. Francis, the NJ Francis building is being refurbished and upgraded. And we're rebuilding the burnout yellowing block at the Department of Corrections, and this new block will, live, will have improved facilities and security measures. I'm just stopping to take a breath, Mr. Speaker. There's more. They told me I have the afternoon. I was going to ask for a five-minute break, Mr. Speaker, because we, because we are renovating and upgrading the Grenzer Cruz Vendors Market. Yeah. The Grand Truck Youth and Sports Community Center and the Grand Truck Water Sports Boat Ramp are under construction, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, in Provo, the work on a state-of-the-art government complex continues, and construction is in the final stages on a two on a new two-story classroom block for the Enid Caper Primary School. And there's more. Work continues on the technical block at the Raymond Gardner High School. Phase two 
Normal Life and Primary School has commenced. And the much-needed renovations and upgrades to the Leeward Palms Green Fitness Park have started. Mr. Speaker, the investments we are making are designed to improve the lives of our people. We believe that our best investments are in the development and well-being of the people we are so blessed to serve. And there is more. I'm starting to think that, I mean, somebody's just trying to surprise me with this speech, and I keep thinking more and more and more, and more. you think it's Christmas. <laughs> Next time, I'm going to move that we pass the budget in December, Mr. Speaker, we keep this up. <laughs> Mr. Uh, so Speaker, in, in this 2022-23 financial year, we're allocating $33.2 million to new projects, which include, which will include acquiring a, a mobile police station, police boats, and refurbishing the Grantock Police Station, creation of a juvenile, I mean, a judicial complex and providentialities, and furnishing the newly commissioned magistrate's court in North Caicos. Suitable premises are being sought in South Caicos for a magistrate court. We're refurbishing the Port Authority office in Grand Turk and providing equipment and furniture for the Customs office and warehouse in Grand Turk. Every time I turn the page over, I think it's done. It keeps going on. For four million to purchase and install a one million gallon salt water reverse osmosis unit and to build a one million gallon capacity glass fuse to steal water storage thing for Grand Turk. Right here. our people must have access to clean and reliable water. And once the new pipes are installed and commissioned, we expect all, all water problems in Grand Turk to be alleviated. No more done problem solved. The problems that the Grand Turk people always talk about having with water, we expect to solve that. Honorable Minister and Representative for ED1 and ED2 and so key in the Cabinet, I can guarantee you that the water problems will be solved in this term, and it's only unfortunate that you can't run for ED1 and ED2 at the same time. But, but Mr. Speaker, as I said, there's still more. We're going to be installing smart water meters in Grand Turk, which will allow for remote and more accurate readings. And we're going to be building new primary health care facilities on the islands of Providentiality and Grand Turk. Mr. Speaker, we are determined to have a system of roads that are well maintained and are able to support the economic, social, and security needs of our country. And as such, we are developing a transportation master plan. Yeah. This is the first time, I mean, I, you wouldn't believe this, Mr. Speaker, this is the first time, first time a country has a comprehensive plan. First time. Comprehensive plan, and I, can be, I stand to be corrected tomorrow during the Leader of the Opposition speech, but I think this is the first time a comprehensive plan for the upgrading and development of our transportation network across all islands has been undertaken. Mm -hmm. And it's been undertaken and been left in the capable hands of the, uh, the Minister of PPI. We have allocated $5.65 million for highway and road improvements and remedial work to ponds and bridges costing over $2.75 million, and they will begin soon. 
$5.6 million has been allocated towards the improvement of drainage system. Construction of the TCI Regiment Training Academy will commence at a cost of $2 million. Construction of the PWD Mechanical Workshop and Storage for Government Vehicles will commence on Grand Turk. Construction of the Vendors Market at Sapa de la Bay in Providential Island will be undertaken soon. And the enhancement and expansion work to the local Vendors Village in Grand Turk will take place this financial year. Speaker, now as you all know, the Providence Island International Airport, the gateway to the Turks and Caicos, is critical to the growth and development of this island. Our government is spending over 12 million this year to repair and retrofit critical areas of the existing terminal building. This includes a canopy for the protection of disembarking passengers, improvements to the traffic flow, and a better customer experience. However, Mr. Speaker, I don't want them to think that this is a long or medium-term solution. This is just a short-term measure as we have outgrown the current facility due to the high passenger level that the country is experiencing. Mr. Speaker, good sports facilities on all islands are a critical component of the development plans that our country has, that our government has for the country. Over 65 million, 65 million is earmarked for the development of ports over the next few years, including ongoing projects and ones under approval. We are very pleased with the management and progress on the port development project. As the speaker, I'd like to give a thank you to the team of the Minister of Immigration. I think some of them are in here uh, today. The, the Honorable Premier and the responsible ministers will address the broader issue of transportation, including the expansion of the airport and ports, and how these will support our long-term economic development. But Mr. Speaker, regarding our people, I touched on, on about it earlier. It's been a long two years. The Ministry of Health, which is my first ministry, I hope you're taking very good care of it, Honorable uh, Minister of Health, bore the brunt of the COVID-19 fight. And they are now the team, the Ministry of Health team is now restoring the melody to healthcare delivery and public health system. And they're conducting an actuarial assessment of the benefits package to better inform the national health insurance plan on the treatment abroad policy. And they're strengthening the national information system for health in collaboration with PAHO, uh, the World Organization, and, 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 and the World Health Organization. Mr. Speaker, as we approach the hurricane season, the experts are predicting that we'll see another above average season with at least 19 named storms and nine hurricanes. And they're expecting at least four of the hurricanes to be category three or higher. Mr. Speaker, as I'm sure you will recall, and as everyone in this honorable house and those listening, the devastation that we experienced on the 7th of September, 2017, which was the day before my birthday, so I, had to, I woke up on my birthday for well, the devastation with Hurricane Irma with all, all her Category 5 might hit the Church and Kickers Island. She's seen me on my birthday on the top of the roof trying to repair the roof uh, while the storm was still over here. So it was a sight to see. Um, the damage to our infrastructure and housing stock was catastrophic. And would you believe, as I said, Mother Nature was not done with us. Less than two weeks later, Category 3, Hurricane Maria, brought devastating rains to our shores. Mr. Speaker, 
those experiences have spurred us into being more prepared. And as such, we're establishing a resilient emergency communications infrastructure that will be effective and reliable during a disaster. In any major disaster, the ability to communicate is critical to save lives and protect property. So Mr. Speaker, we are doing another first. We're going to be doing another first. We're going to install, we're installing a national fiber optic cable, which will provide all major inhabited islands with a reliable, robust, high-speed, high-capacity, and high-quality communications network that will also offer resilient and redundant connectivity, especially during the times of design. This is going to be the first fiber optic cable, domestic fiber optic cable, linking all the islands, and it will be built by our government. We have installed three mobile towers on the island of Grand Turk, Providenciales, and South Caicos. These towers provide the, disaster, the Department of Disaster Management and Emergency, DDME, with a main and a backup emergency communications network. The DDME is now connected to the 911 center and government departments such as the police, fire, medical, immigration, tourist board, the airport authority, the NSA, and the public works department. And we are revamping the domestic fire and rescue services, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, the Climate Resilient Coastal Protection Management Plan will outline clear ways to reduce the effects of rising seawater and coastal erosion in Grand Turk, Salty, and Providential. And the objective, the objective of this is to develop structures soft and hard to protect the coast on every island in the Turks and Caicos. We are implementing the National Physical Development Plan which will mandate orderly development and sustainable construction practices and resourceful land use. Um, the COVID works program, I would like to talk a little bit about that, Mr. Speaker. We're delivering on our promise to create employment for persons throughout the Turks and Caicos Islands affected by the pandemic and economic fallout. Phases one and two focused on community cleaning and beautification projects such as the removal of derelict vehicles, sidewalks, and curbside. And Mr. Speaker, we have allocated $1 million for general works programs to succeed the COVID works program. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, as we seek to provide appropriate and adequate shelter for everyone on these islands, the Housing Department has concluded stakeholder engagement and the National Housing Survey Need, the National Housing Need Survey. The final document will be presented to Cabinet by the end of April, followed by the end of May, followed by public consultation. Speaker, as we seek to dispense justice swiftly and fairly, trained mediators are now handling cases referred by the court. We have also started the process to create a vibrant agricultural sector which will help, to help us cut food and port costs and strengthen food security across the country. The growing TCI campaign continues, Mr. Speaker, with a new director who knows the way of the land. And we, and we will have a comprehensive national agricultural development plan and food production program in short order, Mr. Speaker. 
Mr. Speaker, the office of the Premier and public policy is being revamped, but they focus on the Strategic Planning and Policy Unit, the Communications Directorate, matters relating to the management of the legislative, legislative agenda, as well as protocol. 3.38 million is being spent to transform the office of the Premier and public policy to drive efficiency through our government and manage the strategic priorities of the public sector. Uh, Mr. Speaker, as we see the uh, Honorable Premier, he's been moving up and down as the president of UCOT, uh, as well as the chairman of the Board of Governors of CDB. Uh, the Honorable Premier, in his capacity as chairman of, of the Caribbean Development Bank, will, along with the governor, host delegates from the borrowing member countries in the Turks and Caicos Islands from the 1st to the 16th of June. And it will be the 52nd annual Board of Governors meeting, which is the bank's highest decision-making form. Our government has appropriated $1 million towards the country's expenses. So wrapping up, Mr. Speaker, last year, the Honorable Premier told this country that this is the people's term. Every member of our government is single-mindedly locked into the goal of delivering opportunities and prosperity for our people. Mr. Speaker and members of this Honorable House, from my reporting today, you can see that our government is fulfilling the promises we made in the people's contract. We have kept our word. We have kept faith with the people. Let me remind you that the top 10 allocations in this budget tells a story. I'm certain this story will have a spin put on it tomorrow, but it tells a story. So let me help clarify the story for you and make it easy so those who may want to uh, put a spin on it, those who may want to speak to it. It is a story, Mr. Speaker, of an administration that is focused on people opportunity, and prosperity. Economic affairs gets $103.7 million. Health care gets $78.9 million, 20% of the budget expenditure. Our focus remains on the provision of quality care, including public health and hospital services, as well as the promotion of healthy lifestyles. Public order and safety gets just over 67.3 million. General public services, 62 million. Education, 37.5 million. Social protection, 21.2 million for home health and social assistance programs. And this will help victims of domestic violence and fund pensions and gratuities for public service. We just had our state, the speaker, and we care for our planet and our country, and we're doing our part. And so 7.7 million will be allocated, being allocated for solid waste, sewage management, and the protection of our environment and marine life. Housing and community amenities, 3.8 million, including water, community uplifting, and local government. Defense gets 3.2 million for the National Security Secretariat and the contingent forces, including patrol vessels and motor vehicles. Our goal, Mr. Speaker, is to facilitate the legitimate flow of people and goods and to protect our people from harm. As I said before, we cannot, we cannot overstate the graciousness of his, uh, the Almighty God. And the recreation, culture, and religion is getting 4.7 million. 
to support sports, youth, cultural development, community, and again, religious activities. And that is the first thing. Mr. Speaker, this budget has been deliberately designed to create an economy that works for all. From the fishermen to the social worker to the doctor to the teacher to the, uh, the police officers and everyone who called the Turks and Caicos Islands home. Every islander landed there in Salty, Grand Turk, South Caicos, Middle Caicos, North Caicos, Providential Island, or on one of the keys, must be afforded the opportunity to succeed and share in the bounty of our land. Everyone who is willing to work hard should be able to own a home raise a family, educate their children, and put away something for retirement. Mr. Speaker, our country is still facing challenges, but our people know that it is in a much better place now than it was a mere 14 months ago. Stopover arrivals are way up. Cruise ships are calling again. Construction and real estate are booming. 85% of adults are vaccinated. COVID infections are down significantly. Public servants got a, new, got a raise in a new pension plan. We're spending millions on education and health, and we're investing in disaster preparedness and climate change resilience. And when I flip over the table, you'd think that was it, but there's more. We're preparing our people, we are creating the opportunities, we're beginning the transformation of this economy so that all our people will have a taste of prosperity. And Mr. Speaker, we must not lose sight of the goal, and we must remain resolute. We must remain united and confident as we go for growth and development. The economy must work for all. Mr. Speaker, I'm proud to say that there's now a renewal of energy among our people. Hope, optimism, and confidence have replaced fear and hopelessness. Mr. Speaker, a future that is bright and prosperous beckons, and let us grasp it with both hands. Mr. Speaker, we cannot predict the future. So we're not, we cannot say that this is a perfect budget or that it will, have, or that it will not have its challenges. But we know that it is a good budget. It is a budget that is deliberately designed around people, opportunity, and prosperity. And throughout the financial year, if we find that the budget is not perfect or it is not delivering as we intended, we will make the necessary adjustments to ensure the best outcome for our people and our country. May God continue to order our steps and bless all of us and our beautiful by nature, Turks and Caicos Islands, Mr. Speaker. And with that, I now invite this Honorable House to debate the bill.